Welcome to the More Than Fitness Podcast. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another solo episode. Yep, two weeks in a row. Actually, wait, was last week? I don't remember if last week was a replay or a solo episode. It might have just been a replay. Um, Sorry for not having some uh, spectacular guests on the podcast. You're going to have to deal with me for now. Um, But I have some guests scheduled and they are going to be wonderful. I've been traveling. I've been with family. I've been on vacation and just honestly kind of enjoying the last little bit of summer. But that said, I still want to make sure that I get these episodes out there for you guys. I want to make sure we keep the knowledge going. We keep the fun going. We keep the More Than Fitness podcast, family, tribe, cult, whatever you want to call it. I want to keep this party going because I'm in the podcast game for the long term. That's that's really how I see this. So for those of you who are here now, whether it's your first episode or if you've been with me since I've been in the closet at my last apartment, um, thank you for being here. And I'm excited to continue doing this for many years to come. Uh, we've already got a couple hundred episodes, but I'm thinking 500, 1,000 plus. So that said, that's why I don't always want to just put out a podcast like and try and force it because then I'm afraid that the quality won't be good. Uh, and also, like I, I want to, this is fun for me. I, I really enjoy making these podcasts for you guys. Uh, it's probably because I like hearing myself talk, honestly, but I, I really do like putting these out there. It seems like you guys, uh, most of you guys seem to, to really enjoy it and, and get something out of it. And whenever it's a win-win situation for everybody, I am on board. Uh, so the More Than Fitness podcast is here to stay. Whether what it looks like in a couple years is something different, I don't know. But for now, uh, I know that today's topic, we are going to be talking about um, longevity. I don't know what the title of this one's going to be called yet, but I essentially wanted to talk about how to age well, how to eat and exercise for longevity. And then I also wanted to touch on a little bit of lifestyle uh, um, tips and benefits as as well. And I got the inspiration to talk about this after listening to, uh, so Renaissance Periodization, some of you may know them, some of you may not, uh, but they are an evidence-based company that put out really great work, more so usually for kind of like higher level, more like uh, bodybuilding, competitive athletes, things like that. But they are on the leading edge usually of sports nutrition. And so for you guys, I hope you find comfort that while I'm not always in the trenches figuring out these studies and the science behind everything, I follow the people who are and who make this their life's work. And so I learn from the best and Renaissance Periodization is one of the best. So I signed up for one of their uh, virtual summits, basically. So where they have a bunch of uh, presenters talk and speak about various different topics. And I have been to one in person a few years ago and it was wonderful. And then this time they just did a virtual one because of COVID. Uh, and I've been working my way through the presentations. And uh, today the inspiration came from Dr. Christy Alexon. She is a professor out of the University of Arizona. No, 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 sorry. Arizona State University. <clears throat> and uh she really touched on a lot of cool things within this presentation. And um, I, I basically just wanted to do an overview and do my own version of a lot of the stuff that she talked about, giving my own anecdotal evidence, but then using her as kind of my uh, guiding star with the literature and stuff like that. So the science behind these things, because again, I'm not always up to date with this stuff, but I'm trying to follow the people who are. And I trust Dr. Christie. And so, uh, and if you want to check her out again, it's Dr. Christie Alexon, A-L-E-X-O-N. I think you can find her on Instagram. <clears throat> but this was this was her presentation, and I liked a lot of the stuff that she talked on. Uh, and I'm also going to add in a little bit of my own, but <clears throat> excuse me for clearing my throat on the mic on a podcast. Uh, but 
I'm going to go through kind of an overview of some of the stuff that she she talked about with these. And then uh, I'll, I'll give some tactics throughout, but I'll definitely give some more tactics uh, at the end. So make sure you stay until the end to make sure you get those piping hot, extremely applicable tactics at the end of the podcast. Um, because and it's just like, who doesn't want to live for a long time, right? Who doesn't like if as long as you enjoy living life, I, I and especially with today's modern medicine and especially where uh, things are heading as far as just technology, science, medicine, everything like that. I think we are all very lucky, uh, especially the, you know, the, the younger that you are right now, I feel like your chances of growing even older, uh, and having a higher quality of life is only increasing as the days go by, given the the current state of technology and medicine and all these amazing things that, that we're doing. And also just that I feel like people's, uh, tendency to focus on this topic. I feel like anti-aging and longevity and eating for longevity and living for longevity is a very popular topic right now. And um, I think now we are starting to match the curiosity of people wanting to know how to do this effectively. And then also that catching up with the medicine and technology. And there's going to be some type of inflection point, uh, I think. And also, I mean, what do I know? But I, th I feel like as time goes on, it's only going to be more and more likely that we're going to be able to actually effectively extend our aging. And we can already do it through diet, exercise, um, and not being a complete idiot with our lifestyle choices. And so that's, that's what I am covering today. Um, so yeah, so the key concerns of aging, one of the things that she, she mentioned here, I'm not going to go through the, some of the, you know, you know, some of these podcasts, some of the, some of the presentations, she's, she's a professor. She knows what she's doing. Shout out to Dr. Christie. However, she's not Matt McLeod and the more than fitness podcast, because you know, we like to keep it light. We like to keep it fun. We like to keep it educational. Um, but we're not going to get too boring with some of the stuff. Um, so Let's go ahead and get into it. She talks about the key concerns of aging. The biggest things is is the decreased mobility as you get older, right? So it's just if you're if you're not lifting weights and things, if you're not moving around, kind of the whole move it and lose it thing that is very very real. So as you get older, you're going to have these increased risk of falls, which can obviously have have its own issues. You're going to have osteoporosis, which can also be an issue with with uh, bone health. Uh, sarcopenia, which is just like loss of muscle. And one of the stats she had on here was cool. Uh, well, cool, but also, um, you know, can be scary. But she said, after the age of 30, inactive people lose three to 5% of muscle per decade. Um, so that's per decade, but still three to 5% of your total muscle you can lose after 30 if you're inactive, right? So of course there's, there's tons of different factors. This is going to be, um, this is still just an estimation. It's a generalization based off of research and things. Uh, however, losing more muscle as you get older is very, very real. Uh, and I think hopefully you guys listening to this, it's not something that you all will have to worry about too much because if you're listening to this, you're probably mostly uh, an active person. But it's something to consider that after, after the age of 30, it just gets a little bit harder and you've just got to keep yourself in check whenever it comes to uh, muscle mass and things like that. And of course, that's going to come from diet and exercise. You can absolutely prevent that and you can actually reverse that or whatever you want to call it, right? You can grow muscle well beyond your 30s. Uh, you can make sure you don't lose any muscle, having a high protein diet, ha eating enough food, um, uh, but not too much. And then also making sure that you have some resistance training in there. And I'll get, again, I'll get into more specifics as we go on. But yeah, the first big key concern of getting older is going to be your decreased mobility. Uh, the next one is going to be your diminished quality of life and loss of independence. All right. So this is going to come from acute and chronic illnesses, right? So just people get sick, you know, just as you get older, you're going to have a more likelihood of getting sick. Uh, and especially if you are moving less, especially if you are more stressed out from uh, family, from kids, from work, from money problems, from whatever it is, uh, you're just from, from poor diet, from poor sleep, you're going to have these acute and chronic illness or just from pure genetics as well. That's going to be a big part. 
Um, so acute and chronic illnesses, that's obviously going to affect your quality of life. And however, there are things to do to uh, prevent uh, or at least very much diminish your chances of getting these acute and chronic illnesses, right? So so yes, modern medicine and technology have came a long way, but there's still a ton that we can do that is within our control with diet and exercise and lifestyle choices, right? And so the other part of this was the activities of daily living. And so this is where I think the loss of independence can kind of come from, because if you're getting older and then you need other people to kind of help you out with certain things that maybe you've always been able to do, well, then that can definitely play a, a toll on you, uh, not only uh, pay a toll on you mentally, but also phys- or not only physically, but also mentally, right? These, these small little tasks here and there that you, you've always been able to do, you can't do them anymore, and you need to prevent that as you get older. And again, I know that many of you guys are probably not uh, geriatric people listening to this and have to worry about that, but it is something, if this is going to be a talk about longevity, this is stuff that we're trying to prevent in the future, right? So, so activities of daily living, that's going to be a huge one, and then also acute and chronic illnesses, both of which can be very, very manageable and preventable as time goes on. Uh, And the very last key concern of aging is going to be things like dementia, Alzheimer's, depression. And and these are all things that, of course, you know, we we have somewhat control with with certain things, but uh, a lot of it is going to come down to genetics uh, and, and things like that. So again, that can be a whole different talk and that's definitely out of my wheelhouse. Um, but having having a good diet primarily I, I feel like for these things because because exercise of course is going to be helpful with a lot of the the mental health type things as well but you know you can't exercise your way to prevent dementia or, or alzheimer's or, or depression or something i think you can alleviate depression some by exercising more but with dementia and alzheimer's i think that that you know of course genetics are going to be the biggest factor there but uh having certain foods in your diet as you get older, I think, I think can delay these things or it can reduce the severity of them. Uh, and so that's, of course, along with all the other diseases and illnesses that we can think of, we have anti-aging tools at our disposable, at our disposal every single day, uh, through the, the types of foods that we eat, for example. Um, so uh, the other thing that was cool that she touched on that I wanted to talk about was how much will you age? So just like how old will you kind of, uh, get? And and so of course, genetics is going to be one of the the biggest is going to be a very big part of this. And so she said the role of genetics account for about 20 to 30% of your chance of reaching 80, the age of 85. So genetics account for 20 to 30% of your chances of reaching the age 85. And this is just like, you know, you have maybe a grandpa who has, you know, eaten shit for his entire life. Maybe he's drank a lot of alcohol. He smoked every day and then he lives still to 95, right? It's like you still, genetics are still going to be probably the the biggest factor in, in a, or one of the biggest factors in in a lot of these things. So it's just kind of like, you know, you're kind of stuck with, with what you got there. I think that's kind of an uncontrollable factor that you probably shouldn't worry uh, too much about. I think the, the part that you need to worry about that will really dictate your age, uh, or at least how you feel as you age is going to be the role of lifestyle. So that's going to be dietary and exercise habits, and then also your smoking and alcohol use, right? Those are going to be the biggest things that are going to help with the anti-aging and just help prevent inflammation as you get older. Uh, And that's the, the next part that she talked about with the key components to manage inflammaging, and this is where I will start to uh, kind of get into more of the the um, the nitty gritty of these things. This pod this podcast is going to be a little bit. It's going to be um, what's it called? It's going to be a little bit more nerdier. I feel like than usual. It's not going to be as uh, kind of macro philosophical, uh, whatever. I, I really wanted to kind of educate you guys because I got educated on this stuff, and a lot of it you're going to know, right? A lot of you guys know. Hey eating, eating fruits and vegetables, exercising regularly, et cetera, et cetera. All these things are going to be good for anti-aging. But I think that uh, having these specifics that I'm about to tell you, and then also 
kind of just having good reminders of why these things are important and exactly what you need to be doing on a regular basis is always is always helpful. It's always good to have a reminder of the basics that we know work. Um, and, and so she talks about here, the key components to manage inflammaging is what she called it. So inflammation and aging, putting those together. Uh, just the broad overview is going to be, uh, so, so eating plenty of plants, so vegetables and fruits and the role of antioxidants and phytochemicals within those plants. And then she talks about fats as well. So the good fats, so you have omega-3 fats, you have monounsaturated fats, uh, the bad, and you have animal derived saturated fats. And I know that there's whatever controversy around saturated fats and, and things like that. And I think that, um, which we, we can get into it a little bit later on. Again, I'm going to try and not bore you guys with just a bunch of just random stats or just shit that you can you can look up online or or, or whatever. But again, I think that this recap is is good. Um, so yeah, she said the good omega three fats, monounsaturated fats, and then the bad animal derived saturated fats and the ugly trans fats. <clears throat> and she talked about healthy protein sources. And then we're going to talk a little bit about gut health too, which I think that that is, is really, um, I think that that's, that's really interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip over some of the, the more boring stuff, but I think the first thing that I did want to touch on was the plants part. And of course, like I said, you guys know, you should probably be eating fruits and vegetables. You should probably be, um, uh, getting in multiple servings of these foods every single day. But I think what's, I'm curious that sometimes I don't think people understand why you should maybe try to, uh, quote unquote, this is what they say, uh, or a lot of, you know, nutritionists, dietitians, everything. They talk about eating the rainbow as, as cliche as it is of eating a variety of colored fruits and vegetables to get, uh, your, your antioxidants and your, your phytochemicals. But I think that people don't realize that vegetables and fruits are different colors because they contain different uh, antioxidants and phytochemicals. They contain different vitamins, minerals, all these different things. Like the, the reason why they are the pigment that they are, right? So if you have orange foods, for example, if you have sweet potatoes, or if you have an orange, or if you have an orange pepper, right? All, these are all different foods. However, they're orange for a reason. And one of the biggest reasons is the beta carotene that is in them, carotenoids that are inside them, right? These, these anti antioxidants, these phytochemicals, these uh, flavonoids, all these different things, like the, they're a different color for a reason. And so what I'm saying is, first off, that's just, it's super cool. Uh, just in general, I think it's cool that you just have these different fruits and it kind of is a signal from nature, like, hey, these are attractive, right? So first off, they're bright and colorful. Uh, and so the reason why they are bright and colorful is so that because if it's going to be a fruit, it has to have seeds, right? And so the reason why they're colorful is so that animals will come and eat them and then they will shit out the seeds and spread their seeds throughout different places, right? So it's a win-win for both the animal and for the plant, which I think is it's just, dude, nature's just, it's so cool. Like, it's just so cool how it works. And it's just such a self-sufficient and ongoing process um, over whatever, you know, th thousands of millions of years. I just think that that's, <clears throat> I think that that's super cool. Um, so as you go throughout your day, I think it's important to think about, okay, what colors do I ha have I already eaten today? So in the morning, let's say you have some strawberries with your breakfast, right? So then you can check off the box. Okay, I've gotten in uh, some some red fruit today. So then you go to maybe your, your mid-morning snack or maybe for lunch. And then you're like, okay, so I've checked off red. Maybe let's try orange and green. So maybe you get like a side salad with your lunch. And then you also get an orange or a clementine Um or maybe you even have some some orange peppers or like mangoes or something like that for your orange, right? So you have red for breakfast and then you have orange and green checked off for lunch. And then for dinner, maybe you want to throw in, um, <clears throat> maybe you want to throw in some blueberries or something, for example, right? That's going to give you some blue. Maybe you have some blueberries and some blackberries. Those are going to give you a mix of two different types of, well, multiple different types of vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and all these different things. So it's just like, this is just something that I want you guys to think about as you're going throughout your day. And this is why it's like they say to, to eat the rainbow. It's because 
if you have these these different types of foods, then you're going to be able to get a wider spectrum of micronutrients. And of course, a lot of the stuff that that we um I say that we primarily care about, but most of the time you guys come here for more like body composition uh, advice, which is, which is, you know, so gaining muscle and losing fat, and that's going to have a lot of health benefits within itself. But if we're talking more about quality of life, we're talking about living longer, longevity and, and healthy aging, uh, then this is where we have to get more into the nitty gritty of the food quality and the micronutrients of foods and things like that, that don't matter, quote unquote, as much for body composition, right? It all matters, of course, right? But um, with this with this podcast, we're going to talk more on the micronutrients and the health uh, side of things. So, so yes. Yeah. So as you go throughout your day, just keep that in mind. Just like how many colors have you had? Uh, and, and so, I, yeah, I had a note here about um, blueberries actually, because whenever I was in school, whenever I was in, uh, whenever I was getting my dietetics degree, I had to do a twelve-page research paper on um blueberries <laughs> i literally did a 12-page paper on uh, blueberries and i think it was about the the uh correlation with like cognitive function and it was it was pretty cool blueberries are pretty uh, like as far as superfoods go which is usually just like a marketing term that people use just to bullshit you uh so blueberries are pretty up there as far as cognitive function goes and also there is possibly some nootropic effects and what it comes down to again bringing it full circle is because they are the color blue they have that kind of darker tint to them of those berries so blueberries and blackberries both have these um, but they are called anthocyanins right and i'm pretty sure i don't have it right here but i'm pretty sure they're a, flav a flavonoid or a flavonoid and the words are you know they get difficult um but this this chemical, this anthos, the anthocyanins that are in these blueberries are really good for your cognitive function. So they're really good for your brain. And I think it's usually, and then also the nootropic effects, which is not as well established, but it, it's still uh, part of it. Which a nootropic effect is just like it's 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 good for the brain. It can help with with clarity and focus and attention uh, and, and things like that. And I think it was like 60 to 120 grams of uh, blueberries before maybe like a cognitively demanding task. So before I'm about to maybe get into a very hard uh, work session or possibly even before the gym or something, anything where I'm about to use my my brain pretty heavily, um, which, you know, with me is going to be a few things. Uh Whenever I'm going to use, whenever I'm going to have some type of cognitively demanding task, I will consider, and also I love blueberries, so it kind of helps, but I'll, I'll try and make sure I hit at least that 60 gram threshold of blueberries uh, to, to make sure I can maybe get that little bit of a nootropic effect. And so maybe if I have in the morning, right? So I have my, I have my caffeine. I also have, uh, um, like a protein shake and then I have some blueberries and this is kind of my own little brain power snack to, um, give myself the best opportunity to, uh, use my brain effectively throughout the next whatever hour or two. Right. So that's what's just really cool, I think, with with blueberries. But that's just one example, right, of just this one type of fruit or this one type of uh, phytochemical or or antioxidant, right, of the um, anthocyanins that are in these blueberries. You're just like this is this is why it's important to eat fruits and vegetables. Yes, of course, they are lower lower in calories, right? You can eat more of them. They're going to help with hunger. They're going to allow you to adhere to your diet better. But the main thing is that they help, like they help prevent cancer they help prevent all of these illnesses and diseases and things like they help with all of these things and they also allow you to function more optimally right it's just like you have a wider variety of fruits and vegetables in your diet you're just going to feel better like i'm just a very firm believer in that that you're just going to feel better after you have a salad with a, a bunch of different mixed colors in it or you have you make sure you have some uh, very refreshing fruits with each meal. So it's just like, maybe if you don't, here's the thing. So like, if you don't love, uh, leafy green vegetables or something, again, going back to the colors and things, it's like, there's a reason why kiwis are actually one of the most micronutrient dense fruits that you can eat. And it's because it's green, right? It's green. So green is just, it's just a really good color. That's usually dense with, uh, very good things for your body. And so it's just like, Hey, if you don't eat tons of leafy green vegetables, first, I would say, 
just shut up and just do it, to be honest, because sometimes you you need to just make sacrifices in life that are going to be better for you long term. And it's just like figure figure it out there. You, you know, you're not. 14 anymore. You're an adult. You can figure out how to incorporate some vegetables in your diet on a regular basis, even if you don't really like them. It's just like, just figure it out. And actually I have a mini sewed um, uh, a few minisodes back. If you're either, if you go on YouTube or if you just look back in the library, um, I think it is like something about like making vegetables taste better or something like seven ways to make vegetables taste better. Go back watch that. And I promise you, you'll, you'll find at least one way within that where you can make sure that you're consistently eating more vegetables with your diet. It's just like, you have to, you just, it's sometimes I get it. They don't always taste the best, but it's just like, just, just do it because future you is going to thank you. Future you, whenever you're free of illness, free of disease, whatever it is, you're feeling better. You're moving better. You can thank your younger self for sacking the fuck up and just eating some vegetables on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> uh getting fired up about vegetables this morning um yes so the colors that's that's definitely something to consider and also like as you what i would say is figure out uh so if you're thinking about your day figure out how you can include different colors of fruits and vegetables with each meal or snack how can you make those a variety and then as time goes on this is also what makes it so perfect whenever there's seasons for different foods. I know we now have modern technology and we can have any types of fruits at any time throughout any part of the year. Um, but if you just simply follow the the seasons of these foods of whenever they are, um, uh, what's it called? Best for the picking or whatever, right? It's like... <clears throat> That's how you can naturally switch up the colors in your diet as the year goes on, right? So in the beginning of the year, there's certain certain fruits and vegetables that are that are going to be better than others. And in the middle of the year or so, so spring, summer, fall, winter, there's a different variety of fruits and vegetables throughout these entire times where some are more in season than others. And this is a very simple way. And it's also going to help your pocket because you're not going to have to spend as much, but this is going to somewhat force you to change up the, the colors within your diet. And that's going to give you a wider spectrum of these nutrients in the first place. And, and this is if you guys remember my rant on intermittent fasting, this is one of the things that I said was a big drawback of intermittent fasting because most people that do intermittent fasting that are only eating twice a day, you know, they're not having tons of different colors on their plate. Usually, usually it's more focused around body composition. It's usually focused around, okay, uh, you know, I just want to make sure I hit my calories. I want to hit my macros, but they're not thinking, Hey, just be since I'm eating two times per day, it's giving me fewer opportunities to get this wider spectrum of colors in my diet. Because if you, if you eat four times per day versus two times per day, you're going to have, you're going to have double the chance. Even if you don't even pay tons of attention to your diet, you're going to have double the chance throughout a given week of having a, a wider variety of micronutrients in your diet simply because you're eating more frequently. And so if you do intermittent fasting, that's okay. Just this is something to be cognitive of that you want to make sure that you are getting in uh, all the all these different colors, uh, ideally different colors at each one of your meals. Um, yeah, so that's mo mostly it on the on the fruits and vegetables. Again, I'll give uh, um, what's it called the uh, I think it's four cups daily of, of each of those. And that can be, that can be tricky. I think that the best thing to do is just with every single meal or snack you have, just do your best to try to get in some type of fruit and vegetable, and you're going to be in good shape. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to like be super hardcore tracking with your, your cups and your servings of vegetables and things like that. But just every single time that you sit down to eat, and this is, again, goes back to the question that I always, I always tell my clients, I said, before you sit down to eat, there's two questions that you need to ask. And it's just like, what is my protein source and what is my fiber source? And so since fruits and vegetables are a very big primary source of fiber, well, then it makes sense. Hey, if I make sure that I have a fiber source with this meal, there's a big likelihood that I'm going to get some type of nutrient dense fruit or vegetable with this meal as well. And that checks multiple boxes. So before you sit down to eat, what's my protein source? What's my fiber source? And kind of make your meal uh, around that. It's just something to be cognizant of. Um, 
let's see. Oh, another thing that I had written down was lemon zest, which is cool. And she talked about this in Dr. Christie talked about this in the uh, presentation. She was talking about how lemons have a uh, protective effect again, because so it's just like lemons are outside all day long. Right. And so they have the sun shining on them all day long. So it's like, why don't lemons get cancer, right? Why don't they get skin cancer? You know, just, just kind of like we do. Um, or why doesn't the sun kind of mess with them or, or whatever? Um, and it's because they have, as, as time has gone on and natural selection, whatever it is, evolution, all these different things uh, have happened and the lemons have, the, the sun doesn't affect them anymore. And what actually has happened, the reason why lemon zest can be so helpful to put on your foods actually, is that there has been some research to show that it can help prevent your chances of getting skin cancer, which is just super cool, right? Because this fruit that naturally says, screw you to the sun and it's out there all day and actually the sun can like make it stronger, well, it's like that peel that is protecting the fruit, the seeds that are on the inside of that fruit, though that same zest of that peel, you put that on your food and that's going to give you some type of protective mechanisms against skin cancer. And it's just like that little example right there, that, that, that example can be said for probably every single one of the fruits and vegetables in just some type of different fashion. So like I said, with the blueberries, you eat the blueberries, it's going to give you some neuroprotective advantages over not eating blueberries, right? It's going to be good for your brain because those antioxidants, because those anthocyanins that are within the blueberries, this is why they are good for you. Um, and so it's just like, if you like that, that story with the lemon zest or, or with the blueberries, it's just like whenever you, that's why I wanted to talk about this too and, and frame it in a different way besides just like, Hey, eat your fruits and vegetables they are good for you. The healthy, whatever. It's like, whenever you kind of shift your mind into like, Oh, these are like legit things that, um, can, can give me like these cheat codes or something. It's just like, whenever you have a supplement, you're like, Hey, this supplement says it will do X, Y, and Z. It's like, Fruits and vegetables are the ultimate supplements of all time, right? Because not only do they have those claims, but they actually work and they've worked time and time and time again for years on end. And we know for a fact, fruits and vegetables are very good for you. And they give you these certain advantages over not taking them. And yes, so th I guess there's a difference between like eating them versus just like taking a pill, like a supplement. Um, but that's, it's just like, whenever you frame it that way, I think that it can be a bigger incentive to actually include these in your diet because you realize, Hey, this is legit. Like it's going to make my life better. Like it for sure, for sure. It's going to make your life. The, the, the research is very clear. Like these things are beneficial for living a longer, happier and healthier life. Um, so that's something to consider with the plant power. Uh, let's see, where are we at on time? We're okay. Um, that was one of the, the biggest things that I wanted to touch on. The rest of them, I'm gonna kind of rapid fire through some of these, but I just think that that's really, that's really cool with the, um, with the plants and things. I'm also gonna give, yeah, let's go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and give these other little um, tips here with, with types of foods that can increase your longevity. There's a book called the bonus years diet by Ralph Felder, who is a, a doc, an MD and a PhD. And, uh, Dr. Christie mentioned him at, at the end and one some of the foods that he talks about eating. So I think there's six foods here that are going to, so the bonus years diet can help adding, adding some, some longevity to your life. And so the foods he has down here, first off, super pumped about this one, red wine, right? Shocker. Um, but it's only five ounces daily. So we're going to have one glass of red wine per day. And that's going to be because of the uh, resveratrol that is within the red wine because wine is made from grapes. And so within the grapes, again, resveratrol, it comes from that darker color. Why is it, why is it red wine and not white wine? It's because the white grapes don't have those ingredients that the darker colored fruits do right again going back to how cool it is that foods do this like there's, there's a reason why red wine is recommended and not white wine right so that's just something to to think about so it says five ounces daily gives you a 32 percent decrease in cardiovascular uh disease risk the next one is going to be dark chocolate so one to two ounces daily and that gives you an 11 percent decrease in 
cardiovascular disease risk. Next one is going to be fruits and vegetables. So it says four cups daily. Um, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that just means total, not four cups of each. And that's going to give you a 20%, 21% decrease, uh, fish, uh, what's it say? Five ounces, three times per week. And so this is, I mean, I'm, I'm not usually one to eat fish three times per week, uh, but I usually try and get in maybe salmon once, once per week or so, or some type of fish once per week. And if I can't do that, then I'm definitely going to, to opt for some like omega threes, uh, just from a, a supplement form. So that's going to be a big one. Fish, uh, garlic actually is a very big superfood that has a lot of evidence behind it. So it says one clove daily, um, one clove. That's, I feel like that's quite a bit. But either way, making sure that you include some like real garlic, not just like garlic powder or just like the, the whatever the process kind or something, but just like legit garlic and putting that in your food. Most of us do this anyway, but there is going to be some some big benefits there. 25% decrease in cardiovascular risk. Uh, and I think there's plenty of other benefits as well. And then the last one is going to be nuts. This is something that probably you guys know. One to two ounces of, of nuts daily. Uh, I would say primarily uh, not necessarily peanuts, although that's going to be be fine or like nut butter or something like that. It's going to be okay. But I think the, the better options are going to be things like uh, walnuts, almonds. Um, what's maybe some other one? Maybe some macadamia nuts, uh, pistachios maybe. Um, but just mixed nuts is probably going to be your best bet. Again, Eat, going back to the variety of different colors with fruits and vegetables, you get in a variety of different nuts. Yes, the nuts are going to have a lot of similarities in the nutrient profile that you you eat with them. But having a mix, like having having just almonds isn't going to be as good as having almonds and walnuts, for example, right? Because you're going to have different nutrients in each one of those. So that's why a mixed nut bag can be really helpful for that. And those are the six foods that Dr. Felder recommends. recommends. One second, I'm going to get a drink. A little sippy sip there. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. Already talked about the fats a little bit. The omega-3s, monounsaturated fats, so like olive oil, things like that. Oh, the... Um, do I have it here? It was just a, the combination of omega-6 versus omega-3 fatty acids. So omega-6 is what is found actually in a lot of our diet, um, which is so it's going to be linoleic acid. Omega-6s are so it's going to be found in uh, corn oil, safflower, soybean, cottonseed and sunflower oils. This There's a lot of most Americans, yeah, most Americans definitely get plenty of omega-6 fatty acids, but too many omega-6s can cause excess inflammation in the body. Um, it's not to say that these oils are just like super terrible or like, you know, you should never have uh, um, the, these, these oils or things like that. It's just we want to make sure that we kind of balance things out with the omega-3 fatty acids, which is the ones that most of us know, hey, these are probably going to be healthier for us. These are going to be from like the, the fatty fish. So the DHA and the EPA, this is what you're looking for with the omega-3 fatty acids. And so whenever you're looking, um, just a quick tip, tip whenever you're buying uh, fish oil, you want to make sure that you look at the, um, the DHA and the EPA combined on the back of the label. Don't look at how many milligrams or how many grams of fish oil it says on the back of the nutritional label on the supplement, because that's where it tries to trick you. Because a thousand milligrams or a gram of fish oil does not mean that you're getting a thousand milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, right? What, you're, what you need to look at instead are the actual omega-3 fatty acid contents, and that's going to be the DHA and the EPA totals, and they give you the, the milligrams uh, below there. And, and usually, I think what you want to have within a day, usually is what you want to aim for, is about a gram, so a thousand milligrams combined of both DHA and EPA. So whatever, so that's why it's important whenever you are buying these, these fish oils to make sure that you look at ones that have a higher content of DHA and EPA um, per uh, um, soft gel usually is what they are. And so the ones that I usually use uh, actually is going to be the now supplements. So they have the orange um, 
what's it called? They have the orange label on them. And I think it's called like ultra omega threes. And it's just, it has quite a bit of, uh, omega threes per, uh, um, per pill. And that's, that's kind of what you want. Cause these are already very big pills. And so I think, yeah, so I have those. And then the one that I have also, so it's like ultra omega threes, and then it's also combined with vitamin D. So those kind of can go together and you can kind of get a two for one deal there. Um, but that's just something that you should, you should probably be mindful of, um, whenever you are buying these omega three, uh, these omega three supplements, uh, alpha linolate sorry, alpha linolenic acid, which is also omega-3s, but it's kind of like a different type of omega-3. That's going to be found in things like canola oil, flaxseed, walnuts, and some soy products. And that, that that's still, don't get me wrong, that's still going to be beneficial. It's still going to be good for you. Um, but I think that the ones that have the most uh, research behind it are going to be the omega-3 fatty acids of like the DHA and EPA that's found in things like salmon or if you you supplement as well. But the the point with all of this is to make sure that your omega-6 to omega-3 fatty acids are... Um, whatever the as far as the ratio goes I, I wouldn't worry about that because you're probably already getting in enough omega-6s so you don't need to worry about getting in any more of those what you probably need to work on is getting in more omega-3 fatty acids and so that's going to be consuming more fish consuming more um nuts consuming more um uh of the of the supplement if you don't consume a lot of those things naturally uh, and that's going to make that ratio a little bit more balanced and the omega-3s are going to decrease some of the inflammation in your body and so that's going to be helpful whenever it comes to longevity over time all right so there is that yeah the next one is going to be so like with gut health for example right this one's a big topic. This is still very much out of my wheelhouse, very much um, not only just out of my wheelhouse, but I think also anybody who knows anything about the the gut and the complexity of the microbiome and, and all these other big buzzwords that are out there, the smartest people will tell you that there is very, very minimal research on this. And anybody who acts like they know exactly what you should do for the gut or for all these things, or if they have something to sell, just be very, very cautious of it. Uh, and whenever research is very new, that means that people are going to try and prey on cherry picking any type of data or uh, whatever, because they can kind of market it however they say f they see fit. And if you're naive to the um, subject, which most people are going to be, if they even sound smart and charismatic and know how to sell, they can kind of get you on a bunch of different benefits that they're saying um, maybe the research supports whenever the research is very, very still new and in, it, in its infancy, and uh, they're trying to still figure out a lot of things. Um, and so one of the things on here would be, uh, so, so first off, for gut health, I think that the very, the very easy way of, of uh, saying this is that the best things for gut health is going to be everything that I just talked about. It's going to be fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And a lot of that is going to come down to how much fiber you consume in a day. And so there's a reason why with my clients, I make sure that they hit a certain fiber goal every single day. And that's to one, ensure that they aren't just hitting their calories and their macronutrient targets uh, or, or ranges with you know, pop tarts and protein powder, right? I want to make sure that they hit a certain fiber goal every single day to ensure that they are getting in these quality nutrients and these quality foods every single day, because you can't hit a certain fiber goal every single day without supplementing, um, without eating quite a bit of fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, these foods that have fiber in them. And so with every single meal or snack that you have, I, that's why I said I recommend asking yourself, what's the protein source? What's the fiber source? And if you do that throughout the entire day, by the end of the day, you've consumed a decent amount of fiber. Uh, and that is going to be one of the biggest things for a diverse microbiome, for really good gut health. Um, and, and of course, having a different variety of these fruits and vegetables are going to be massively beneficial and it's going to help with um, just again, the diversity of these types of, of 
microbes and bacteria and things, the good, healthy bacteria that is necessary for uh, you you feeling well, because the gut is tied to basically everything within your body. Uh, and so making sure that you take care of that with a diverse amount of uh, fruits and vegetables and getting in enough fiber every single day is going to be huge. Uh, and so the, 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 the dietary reference intake for fiber, so the DRI, um, and then also the, or the adequate intake for fiber. So from ages 19 to 50, it's going to be 25 grams for women and about 38 grams for men. I, I think a very easy way of doing this is, um, yeah, what is it about? So I think for women, it's going to be like 14 grams per 1000 calories. And then for men, I think it's 14 grams per 500 calories, right? So 14 grams of fiber per 500 calories you eat, and that's going to give you uh, a pretty good estimation. But honestly, for, for most of you, you, I mean, it depends on the person, I guess, but lots of times whenever clients will come to me, sometimes they're barely, they're, they're not eating much fiber at all within a day. And so if you're somebody who is eating 10 to 15 grams of fiber per day, it's probably not a good idea for me to be like, hey, we need to start taking in 30 grams of fiber plus per day because that's what the, uh, you know, that's what the adequate intake recommends. Because if that's where you're at and then you just make a big jump like that, you might have, uh, you know, you might have some indigestion issues. You might feel uncomfortable. You might get gassy. You might get bloated, whatever it is. So what I recommend instead is making these small jumps. So if somebody is around the 10 to 15 mark uh, on a regular basis, then I'm like, okay, let's try and aim for 20 grams of fiber per day from a mixture of both fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And then after they, they do that, then, um, then I can maybe bump it up even a, a little bit higher. Uh, and what I also don't want you guys to do is to get these fiber, get the fiber from supplements. Cause my clients be like, Hey, can I just take a supplement and then I can reach my fiber goal? And I'm like, no, that, cause that completely defeats the purpose of why I want you to try and hit that fiber goal in the first place, right? Because we want those diverse amounts of food and we want to make sure that the quality of food is higher. Uh, so taking the supplement kind of uh, uh, diminishes that effect. So ages 19 to 50, 25 grams for women, 38 grams for men. And then ages over 51 is going to be 21, 21 grams for women and 31 grams for men. All right. And then one of the last things on the diet side of things and then the exercise thing is it will be super quick. Uh, and then the lifestyle stuff will be pretty quick too. Um, probiotics. This is going to be a big one. <clears throat> Excuse me. That that people are. It's a very hot topic. And again, going back to where people can uh, kind of prey off your naivete with this type of stuff is probiotics. It's just it's a very hot thing right now. Um, but a lot of the concerns with commercial supplements of probiotics. And that Dr. Christie talked about here is that so there's no proof of the effectiveness needed. Uh, there's no purity standards in place or required for these supplements. There's no testing for contamination. <clears throat> there's no testing for potency or strength required. The ID of bacteria is often wrong. So like the the spelling itself, they can have incorrect spelling of the bacteria on the back of the probiotic. Uh, and there's also no guarantee of microbial stability required. So it's just, like I said, it's whenever it is a very new space, a lot of people are going to try and take, a lot of supplement companies are going to try and take advantage of that with, with marketing, with these claims, with whatever it is. And they're going to try and get you to buy these supplements that may or may not even work. And it's very difficult to try and make sure uh, that you get a solid source. And we also don't even know if they freaking work. Like, is it, I mean, here's the thing. If you find a quality one, would you, will you be fine taking it? Yeah, for sure. But I don't think there's, there's many downsides as long as it's a quality trusted ingredient or trusted quality of supplement. But you're probably just going to be you're going to be much better off simply just trying to eat more fermented foods foods that have probiotics naturally in them so things like greek yogurt aged cheeses buttermilk sour cream and then you have the other fermented foods so you have like tempeh you have fermented soy sauerkraut miso these types of things uh, also in the in the US is going to be kefir and then fermented vegetables so kimchi and fermented cabbage 
All of these things are going to have natural sources of probiotics that are uh, already found in foods that are already going to be very stable. It's just like any time that you can, most of the time, not not always, that's a, that's a fallacy that you can't get uh, the same amount of uh, nutritional profiles out of supplements as you can in foods. But most of the time, getting, the so- getting it from the source, getting it from pure natural foods is going to be uh, better probably uh, as far as effectiveness goes. Um, whenever it comes to probiotics. So just something to to keep in mind there. <clears throat> and the last one that I had written down here was fasting. And I think a lot of people, and I've talked about this in the intermittent fasting uh, podcast, if you want to go back and li- listen to it a few minisodes ago. Um, I think that the fasting thing is, is widely overblown. And again, anybody who is pur- purporting these big benefits of fasting and multiple day fasting, just like look and see if they have anything to sell. <laughs> if they have any type of, of thing to sell or a podcast to push or, or something like that, usually that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what's happening. And so it's just with the fasting, most, most of the research is pointing towards, hey, it's not necessarily you have to fast for an entire day or for 12 to 16 hours per day or anything like that. Like you're going to fast naturally on a regular basis because you sleep, right? So that you're, you're, you have fasting built into your day and it's like that for a reason, right? You're fasting naturally. That's going to, that's going to give you a lot of the benefits of just normal fasting, but then you're also fasting. Think about it in between meals. So whenever you eat a meal, sure, you're going to have a lot of the nutrients and things going through your bloodstream. You're going to be metabolizing things, but in between meals, you're going to have this type of cell death or uh, autophagy as the the fasters like to really promote. Um, This happens naturally in between meals and also whenever you're asleep. And you also have to think about it from a net net. So as you go throughout your day, so you eat food and of course you're not fasting then, you're not having much cell death right then, but you're going to eat and then that wave is going to go down, right? And whenever that wave is down, then you're getting those benefits and then you eat again and then it goes down. But so on net net, whenever you're in a calorie deficit on a daily basis, those that is going to give you the same benefits as you would if you would fast for whatever a certain period of time. And just and just saying, hey, I'm fasting for a day per week. You can't just say that that is going to be better. It's just there's there's a talk about also very new research and things. It's just like, there's not enough, at least I, from what I have seen, I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am as far as, uh, uh, you can't just say, Hey, the longer that you fast, the better, because while there is benefits to fasting and not eating, there's also a lot of benefits to actually eating and to get in all these nutrients and things. So it's just like, how can you, can you compare fasting for an entire day would it be benefit if you compared fasting for an entire day, the health benefits of that compared to having, let's say, a perfect day of eating with, let's say, everything that I talked about with you have you have omega threes, you have fiber, you have fruits and vegetables, you got healthy proteins, you got healthy fats, you have all of these things. It's just like, which one would you, if you had a gun to your head, which one would you choose would probably be the healthier um, uh, effectiveness, would have more effectiveness long-term for your health? Would it be the fasting thing where you're eating completely nothing? Or is it going to be the one where you have a very balanced diet with a bunch of different colors and all these different things? It's like, I would, you know, I would pick, I would pick the latter. I, I don't think that not eating is, is going to have all of these magnificent uh, um uh, benefits that, that people tend to tout. So fasting, that's my thoughts on it. Um, it's just something to consider. Don't get too crazy with it. Uh, of course, if you want to intermittent fast, that's great. Like more power to you. Just be mindful of everything that, that I just mentioned. Uh, go listen to that other podcast. I just want to make sure you have all the facts and that you're going to at least try and do it correctly and in the healthiest way possible, uh, going forward. Right. Um, okay. And then the, the last thing, uh, the second to last thing, I'm going to run through these quick because I know I'm reaching time here. Um, but for exercise, this one's going to be pretty, pretty basic, but exercise is a hundred percent. One of the biggest things that you can do, because of course you have nutrition and then you also have exercise. They do two different things. Whenever somebody says, oh, it's 20% or 20% exercise, 80% nutrition, or they give some other arbitrary percentage point. It's like, it's fucking stupid. That's somebody who just doesn't understand the body. They don't understand these things. It's like, it's a hundred percent exercise and a hundred percent diet. They two, they do two different things. 
things, right? Um, of course, they can work synergistically very well. However, they do they have different benefits. Uh, and so whenever it comes to activity, uh, I know that people here probably aren't going to have any, if you're listening to this, you're probably not going to have any issue uh, staying active or like probably lifting weights primarily. So muscle strengthening, resistance training is probably something that you're not going to have to worry about. But the recommendations here are two or more days per week that work all major muscle groups. So you have the legs, hips, back, abdomen, chest, shoulders, arms. So just having a balanced workout routine you guys are probably already doing that. That's going to be helpful, but that's the muscle strengthening side of things. And then you're going to have the aerobic activity, right? So you're going to have cardio, uh, and that's going to be where you with cardio, you want to have a mix of both, uh, moderate intensity. So I would say you would want to have a mix of everything. So you want to have a mix of low intensity cardio. So this is going to be just like a daily step count. Uh, and, and for a daily step count, for most people, it's going to be beneficial to get probably between like seven to 10,000 steps plus per day. Uh, so that's just going to be low intensity cardio and aerobic activity. And then you're going to have moderate intensity activity. And the recommendations here are 150 minutes per week of moderate intensity uh, aerobic activity. So that's going to be things like jogging or maybe like walking quickly on an incline or riding the bike or going swimming or going hiking or something like that. So 150 minutes per week of that. And then you're also going to have the uh, 75 minutes per week of vigorous intensity. So this is going to be more of like the high intensity uh, cardio and having a mix of all of these is going to be beneficial because they work different energy systems. They give you different benefits, the high intensity interval training, that's going to have a lot of really good healthy benefits. And then, but it's not going to have everything that maybe the moderate intensity cardio is going to have. And then same thing with the, the low intensity cardio, but it's a mix of all of these. And if you actually go back and listen to some of my mini-sodes, I give very practical recommendations uh, on how to give, have to have like a perfect uh, cardio regimen whenever you also want to gain muscle and lose fat, because these are all things that you need to consider whenever it comes to an overall um, uh, fitness plan. And this is something that I do with my clients as well, depending on whatever their goals are. But I like to try, uh, at least over time, mix in a variation of this muscle strengthening. So resistance training, and then also including maybe a little bit of HIIT workouts, and then also a little bit of this moderate intensity, uh, 150 minutes per week of the aerobic activity. Uh, so yes, you can look up the other mini. So just type in cardio and then my mini sodes, and then you'll have quite a few there that you can, you can go through that can give you more practical examples for these things. Uh, and then lastly, with the, um, the last thing to help with, uh, inflammaging and exercise is going to be balance exercises. So at least three days per week. And the way that I do this with clients and, and with myself is just making sure that I have some single leg and single arm work in my, uh, workout plan. And that's just usually that's gonna, that's gonna do. So doing something like a, a single leg RDL is going to take, uh, quite a bit of balance and core stability and all these different things. You can have different, uh, um, what's it called? You can have different core exercises as well to help with this. You can do like single arm bench press, for example, that's going to require you to have some core stability to, to ma manage your balance. Um, I wouldn't recommend like standing on a BOSU ball or anything like that. Uh, I think that that is very much overblown uh, as far as the uh, benefits go for that. I think that heavy resistance training under load, making sure that you're using a full range of motion and with proper technique, you're going to have to have a lot of balance just to do that in general. So that's definitely something to do. Uh, so lunges is going to be another one of like a balance exercise, doing some lunges, uh, whether it's body weight or with dumbbells, that's you're going to require to use some balance there. So just thinking of how you can use uh, unilateral exercises to your advantage and just making sure that probably each session or at least most sessions have some type of single leg or single arm work within your workouts. And that's going to allow you to have the benefits of balance as you, um, get older. All right. And as we wrap this up, the very last one I wanted to talk about, and this will just be a couple minutes because, uh, I have these all bolded out. And this is just like lifestyle things on just like how to be happier and some stuff that I've read online that is supported by research and also um, just anecdotally with, with my own happiness. Uh, and this is so things to do on how to be happy. My bullet list, the first one is going to be, uh, hold on one sec. Let me, let me pull this up. 
One second, one second, one second. Okay, things to do to be happier. So the first one is gonna be like picking up hobbies. So just having other things to do outside of work is gonna be super important. So you have like cooking, you have knitting, you have a book club. If you want to do a podcast, that would be great. If you like writing, you could start a blog. If you wanna have a YouTube channel, you can video yourself, um, TikTok, whatever it is. Uh, I would actually prefer probably not some type of like social media, like Instagram or, or TikTok or something that's very immediate like that. I would, I wanna throw you into something um, that takes a little bit long. So like I said, cooking, it's gonna take you a, a longer times if you have a podcast or a blog uh, or a YouTube channel or something like that, it's going to take deep work for several hours. Uh, and I think that that's going to be a good hobby to pick up. Uh, the next one is going to be contribute to others. Uh, so whenever you're down and whenever you're sad, the, the thing to do is not necessarily to always, and of course, it, it's not always this way, but don't always think that you need to be so insular and turn inward and like isolate yourself from everybody else. I would say that whenever you are down or sad, it, you can probably lift yourself up by lifting others up. So do something nice for someone else uh, and then see how you feel after that. My guess is that you're going to feel a lot better after you do something nice for, for someone else. So instead of turning inward, try turning outward. Um, the next one is going to be stop comparing yourself. I know this is something that we all do. It's definitely still something that I do that I'm working on, but we all know it's just, it's a never ending game and you never know how that person that you're comparing yourself to, they really feel right. So they may be happy on IG, but they may also like hit their spouse and do cocaine on the weekends. Right. So you would, you would never know. And that definitely happens. There's definitely somebody that you follow on IG right now that looks super great, but they are having a, maybe they don't hit their spouse and do cocaine on the weekends. However, they could be, um, doing other, other things that you are, uh, 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 what's it called incorrectly comparing yourself to, to that person. Right. Okay. The next one is going to be, don't get too involved with politics. So base level is probably important. Just kind of having a, a brief rundown of kind of what's, what's going on in life. Um, that's probably important, but that's going to require maybe checking it about once per week on some type of unbiased news source or something like that. Uh, I think where this becomes a problem is whenever you're arguing with strangers on the internet, um, which is actually the, the very last one that I have here. And it's don't argue with strangers on the internet ever. And I was just like, think about how many people, how many happy people, you know, who consistently argue with people on the internet, right? It's like the people who argue on the internet with people are people who want to argue and want to be bothered and want drama in their lives. And, um, under the guise of thinking that they're doing something better for the world, whenever they're actually probably just wasting both people's, both parties' time. Of course, there can still be some dialogue. There can still be some change. But most of the time when people are arguing on the internet, both people are just digging their feet in the sand even harder and nothing good is coming from it. And a lot of that obviously has to do with politics. So don't get too involved with politics. Get just enough involved and try to get it uh, in minimum effective doses. Uh, the other thing here is go for distraction-free walks outside. So keeping your phone at home, that would be a really good idea. Keep your eyes up. Just look around. Just try to notice the, the definition on the, on the trees or, or try to notice the, the cracks on the ground or, or the smell in the air or the dog barking in the distance or the lawnmower running or um, the, the, the wind blowing certain, certain plants or something on the ground. These are all things that are going to kind of get you out of your head and kind of into reality. Next one is going to be hang out with happy people and limit slash cut people, uh, problem people. Uh, so this goes for in person and online. There's definitely research that shows, uh, that, um, talking to people face to face, even if you're going to FaceTime them, even seeing them face to face is going to be better than, um, email, texting, commenting, liking all of those kind of surface level ways of communicating with somebody. You're just going to be happier overall. If you can actually see the person, if you can actually talk to them. Um, so, so phone calling can, can also be just as fine. Whenever you hear the tone in their voice, it's just, that's going to always be better than something like an email or a text or commenting and liking. And as much as some of us hate talking on the phone or hate FaceTiming, uh, it's something that we need to do uh, regularly. Me having Zoom dates with like friends from across the world is such a fulfilling practice that I try to include every single week um, at least once. And then, of course, I see my my local friends in person as well. And that's that's going to be huge. Um, 
And then the last thing is going to be reduce your screen time. So don't check your phone first thing in the morning. I know that this is this is going to be difficult, but Matthew McConaughey had an amazing quote, and I'm going to leave this podcast with this quote. He says, check in with yourself before checking in with the world when you wake up. And that is the boy right there. That's the man. That's the Matthew McConaughey, the dude, the myth, the legend. Um, He's just, he's, I really like Matthew McConaughey, not because we have the same initials or very similar names and also very similar looks. He's just slightly less handsome than I am, but you know, he's doing his best. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess other things are going well for him in, in life as well. But I really like, I really like that quote, check in with yourself before checking in with the world when you wake up. So shout out to Matthew McConaughey. And that is going to be the end of this podcast talking about longevity. Uh, I hope you guys got a lot out of it. I hope you um, enjoyed it. We covered quite a bit. This was very value-packed, very uh, tactics-driven. Hopefully, you can apply some of this stuff. It'll make you happier. It'll make you healthier. It'll make you live longer. Um, And yeah, I think that's it. If you like the podcast, like, subscribe, do all that shit, leave the rate and review. Helps me out, helps you out, helps us out. And that, my friend, is a win win, win. And that is what we're after in this life. Uh, Okay. That's it for the solo episode. Guests coming soon, more stuff coming soon. Uh, And that is it. Um, Don't know how to end this. All right. Oh yeah. Thank you guys as always for listening to the More Than Fitness podcast. I'm Matt McLeod and I'm out. And that is that, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than Fitness podcast. And please, if you could help me out a little bit here and leave a rate and review in iTunes and also take a screenshot and post it up on your IG story. Tag me at mattmcleod 6 I'd love to share it. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast and also so that we can share the word with other people. I would love to build up this community, build up this tribe of people that we have like you and I, uh, and get the word out there. Uh, Also, if you want more free content, you can check the links in the description. I have my free four-week workout plan, The Ultimate Physique Development. And also, if you want to work with me online, one-on-one for personal coaching, you can check the link in the description as well. Uh, And anything else you need, please send me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening.